Coming up on Chasing the Natty, it's the best week of the season. It is championship week in college fantasy leagues, as well as rivalry weekend. We have an incredible guest on tonight, Mr. Austin Nace from the Campus to Canton uh, boys over there. And we got a lot to talk about, so let's go ahead and get right onto it right after this. Goes to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! Watch out for Mr. Robinson. This kid is going to be special and is already flashing. This is Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful, wonderful week. It is an incredible weekend for everybody all around the country. We got Thanksgiving this weekend. A lot of people getting ready to go see their families. A lot of people getting ready to eat plenty, if not too much food. Uh, Hopefully it's good food. Hopefully your families are good cooks all around. Uh, But we all know that if you're listening to this podcast, you have a second love that is this weekend, and that is college football. Tons and tons of stuff to talk about for this weekend. Like I said in the intro, it is rivalry weekend. We want to highlight a ton of those games for you guys tonight, talk about what the implications of those games can be outside of just the stuff of, you know, rivalries hating each other and everything. But before we get into all of that, we have a wonderful, wonderful guest on tonight for you guys, Mr. Austin Nace from the Campus to Canton uh, service. Austin, how are you doing tonight, man? I am great. Uh, happy to be here and um, ready to talk. I mean, Thanksgiving and football, it's like peanut butter and jelly or, you know, me, me and Colin. I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> fa- famous, famous duos. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Absolutely. And absolutely. Again, tons and tons of stuff this weekend. Uh, so before we get into the games and everything, Austin, you are from Campus Scan, of course, and it is a league format that I would say has grown a ton this year. Um, I think a lot of people who normally enjoy like a Devi format or even, um, yeah, really just enjoy Devi, but also enjoy playing college and college or excuse me, people who enjoy playing college fantasy football and NFL football, they're enjoying the format a ton so i just want to ask you like what like what are you guys seeing with campus can are you um what kind of stuff are you guys working on and what kind of stuff uh maybe could we expect to see in the upcoming year yeah so uh i mean the, the format is definitely growing we've just you know we, more members over the site every month uh i mean i keep i've had so many people ask me to do startups already for next year and <laughs> i just uh i can't keep uh committing to more and more of them but yeah, I mean, it's it's a great format. It combines like every piece of fantasy football that we love. Mm-hmm. I, I I love college football. I, I love NFL football. I'm a big Pitt fan. I'm a Steelers fan. Um, so, I mean, I just, it, it kind of combines all those things. In terms of things that we have coming up, um, I don't want to give too much away. We actually have a call this evening uh, to talk about some of our off-season planning. Um, definitely uh, looking forward to maybe uh, a facelift for the website. Uh, right. Maybe an additional tool or two coming out this year. 
and possibly uh, some more info on the 2022 freshman class. I know that's kind of all the rage right now. So um, that's kind of what you can expect from us in the coming months. Um, and uh, we're looking forward to it. I mean, absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm starting to get more and more DMs from people who are in Dynasty or Keeper Leagues asking me who should be kept on our rosters and everything. And guys, promise, promise, promise that information will be coming. But right now, we got championship weekend for a lot of you guys. A lot of you guys have worked really hard to get to this point. You're the final two teams in, in all of these leagues. Um, I, myself, I'm playing in three different championships this weekend. I'm playing in my home league. I'll be, I'm playing uh, Xavier, actually. Uh, playing mm-hmm. him this week in the, our home home league. Uh, I am playing in uh, Mitch Hart's home league. I uh, knocked him out last week, and so I'm playing for the championship in his home league. And then I run a Power 5 league on the side, and I just happen to be doing well in that one. I uh, don't like my chances because I think my two quarterbacks this week will be uh, Anthony Brown and... Um, God, who was the other one? Was it Peyton Thorne? That's who I'm stuck with right now. It's a little rough. I don't know Sorry how I made it this that. far. <laughs> Actually, I know how I made it this far. I had Jordan Addison and Jamison Williams last week. <laughs> That'll do it. That'll do it. Huge, huge weeks there. And then obviously, you know, uh, I- I'm sorry for your loss last week. Oh, uh, the, the Kings that. classic. Yeah. Yes. If y'all haven't uh, listened to my, uh, not tirade, but if y'all didn't listen to my rant about that in our last yesterday's episode, please go ahead and do that. Uh, I guess one more thing before we move on to the games, Austin. Again, I asked john lobb on yesterday's podcast if you haven't listened to that by the way go listen to that it's around the 10 minute mark i asked john what he some of the things he saw shifting in the college landscape in 2021 and what he might think continues into 2022 so i just want to get your opinion on that as well like what thing what are things you notice maybe even from a c2c perspective uh that you notice changed in 2021 might be moving forward um, I mean, the transfer portal obviously is the big thing. I think we really don't even understand the ramifications at 100% yet. I mean, we, we, we've we had one year of it and we've seen some, some huge success stories. Jamison Williams, uh, you know, a guy you just mentioned mm-hmm. that, you know, you don't take a year, you just go wherever uh, you want to go there and step right in. We saw maybe um, some not so successful ones. Uh, Mookie Cooper was one I was really excited for that comes to mind immediately that, that mm-hmm. hasn't done much at at Mizzou. So I think that moving forward is going to be a big thing. Um, and then just, you know, the emergence of freshmen mm-hmm. gone are the days where everybody registers. Mm-hmm. If you're good enough to play, I don't have a problem taking freshmen early in drafts. Cause if I think you're good enough and I think the depth right there looks solid, I, those guys are going to play. We saw it all year this year. So um, I think those are just kind of two big things that I've been paying attention to this year and, you know, the past year or two, and I think we'll continue on. I bet those things go hand in hand. Cause I imagine with the threat of the transfer portal for a lot of these coaches, they almost feel a little bit pressured to play these, uh, highly touted recruits relatively early on because like I, I we're both fans and we know the fan mindset and for a lot of, fan, not that coaches are pressured by fans, but they are pressured by boosters and such and boosters a lot of times are just fans with money and a lot of times they'll uh kind of pressure these coaches into playing these young hot uh recruits that they just got even if there's other older hot recruits that they might have had and i guarantee you that might be pushing some of these guys to the forefront uh, earlier on than we normally would see otherwise there's a threat of them leaving so. Well, I mean, look, look what happened with Tom Herman last year. I mean, I don't know oh, yeah. how much of the percentage you can blame on him not playing Bijan Robinson, but I'm sure that was at least 10% of it. Oh yeah. I mean, so I mean, it, it's, 
jobs are on the line. I think I think we're going to see more and more of it here over the, the coming years. Yeah, it definitely won't surprise me. I will say it's very funny watching a lot of the same people it felt like last year who were complaining about Bijan Robinson uh, not playing enough, now clowning Sarkeesian for playing him too much because he got hurt. I'm like, you gotta, y'all pick one side, please. I don't know. But there's a happy medium, Jared. There is a happy there's medium, a happy and it's uh, 40, 45 carries for Bijan <laughs> Robinson every single game. That's what I want as a I, fantasy owner. <laughs> I have a lot of Bijan, so I 100% agree with you. Yeah, that was the one place I had Bijan was my Dynasty League, and that was a, that was a rough, rough league for me. Uh, just a ton of just, just bad luck in terms of fancy points scored against me. Anyway, we've been talking about this kind of stuff long enough. Let's go ahead and move on to some of these games. Again, rivalry week. This is the stuff that makes college football, college football, in my opinion. I am, a again, anybody who's listened to me for a long time knows I prefer college football over the NFL eight out of 10 days a week. Um, that didn't make any sense, but you guys get the point. Um, I prefer it. So I prefer it so much more than NFL, and really it comes down to the passion. The passion that comes with these kind of games, even if they are quote-unquote meaningless in the playoff picture, even if they're quote-unquote meaningless in even getting to bowls and stuff like that, you still have people showing up for these games, showing out, because they know that this is what matters at the end of the day. So, got a ton of games to get to. Let's go ahead and hit this first one up. We got a top 10 matchup here with in the Big Ten, and that is number four, or currently number four, Ohio State, at number six, Michigan. I'm using last week's playoff rankings because the new ones have not come out, so if some of these rankings sound a little weird, um, that's what that's why, um, everybody. So Oregon's still going to be number three. Don't don't think I'm dumb. I, I know they're not going to be number three this week. Anyway, Ohio State's an eight-point favorite in this game. This is the noon Fox kickoff. Austin, I'll let you start off with this one. What are your thoughts on this game? What are you kind of looking for? I'm interested in a couple of things. I'm interested to see what Ohio State does with this Michigan pass rush. They've really been getting after it. I'm wondering if that means, you know, more, uh, you know, is Trayvon Henderson involved a lot in the screen game or, you know, quick little outs? I mean, I think that favors probably JSN mm-hmm. uh, a lot more maybe. So th- those are kind of things I'm looking for in Ohio State. How do they deal with that that Michigan pass rush, uh, which is really just named Aiden Hutchinson. But yes, uh, I will call it the <laughs> Michigan pass rush. Um, and then for Michigan, I mean, I haven't heard anything on Blake Quorum's status for this week. I know he was handing out turkeys in, in Ypsilanti today. Um, so I don't know if that means he's healthy or not. But but if not, then I, I'm interested to see what Haskins can do. I believe that he makes was, Haskins startable. I believe he was warming up last week. They didn't play him in the game, but I think he was like it was one of those things where like it was a real question there for a second there if he would play in last week's game against Maryland. I think they realized. They didn't need him against Maryland, so they're going to save him for this game, if anything. So that, that makes sense. And so then, you know, maybe you don't want to play some Haskins. But that, the, I think that's probably what I'm looking for on that side of things is I don't really mm-hmm. care too much about their, uh, their passing game. <laughs> yeah. Um, definitely what I'm looking for in this game is kind of what everybody else is looking for in this game. Like Ohio State put on a clinic last week in terms of their passing game against Michigan State's defense. And... I again, I'm one of those people where I'm very impressed with Ohio State's passing game. Don't get me wrong; they have three of the probably the best receivers in the game, easily probably top three out of the top ten easily. Um, and that's being and that's being harsh on it. Um, but to me, it still has to be said that Michigan State had the worst passing defense in the country. The country, not the Big Ten, not the Power Five, the entirety of the FBS. They have the worst passing defense. Ohio State was made to take advantage of that. I am much more interested to see what Ohio State can do against this Michigan secondary, which is expected to be a lot better than Michigan State's. 
Now, if they do again what they did to Michigan State, oh boy, that's that's some dangerous, dangerous stuff and really some championship-worthy um, offense right there, easily. So that's kind of what I'm looking for in this game. Um, the line on this game is only eight points. Started at seven, so it's moved up to eight since then. Do you think that, what do you think is causing that, Austin? I don't know. I, I would have actually guessed that it might be closer to 10 when it first came out, uh, just based on what happened last week. Uh, I guess I, I, I go through two schools of thought with Ohio State. There, there are games like last week where obviously, yes, they took advantage of a, a juicy, juicy matchup for them, but they just looked untouchable. And then you think about games like Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nebraska isn't uh, – it's not a bad defense by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not great either. And they really mm-hmm. struggled at times to move the ball in that game. Uh, it just, the whole offense kind of looked disjointed. Uh, they're kind of the team when they get on a roll, they roll you. But if they don't get on that train, it's kind of difficult. So I, I think the the line right now is fair. I haven't placed any bets yet for this week, but I would probably pick, I'd probably take the Ohio state uh, to cover that pretty easily. I think it's like a 10 to 14 point game for like, the whole game yeah fair enough and I, I, with that i'm gonna say you take ohio state to win the game as well and as much as i will probably be rooting for michigan to beat ohio state this weekend mostly because as a georgia fan ohio state's probably the one uh team in the country that truly scares me right now uh, in terms of getting in, in the way of georgia's championship run this year um i'm not home i'm not a homer at all people um but yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say Ohio State wins this game pretty comfortably, even even with as good as Michigan's played this year. Michigan's doing a lot better this year than I even thought they were gonna have. Um, and it was weird because they did it through the run game, which I thought wasn't really possible for them. Uh, so with that out of the way, let's move on to our next game here. This is a top fifteen matchup for this week. We got number thirteen Oklahoma at number nine Oklahoma State again. I should really stop saying the rankings because that's just going to confuse people. We got Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Bedlam. Oklahoma State, a three and a half point favor here. 730 game on ABC. And Oklahoma coming off their loss to Baylor. Uh, very tough game for them. Tough physical game against Iowa State last week where once again they just couldn't pull ahead away from their competition. And they're going into Oklahoma State who I believe is playing the best defensive ball in the Big 12 right now. Shut out Texas Tech last week, which is no small feat. Texas Tech's got a good offense. Um, and they were able to shut them down pretty well. So really the question becomes, we all know how much Oklahoma State struggles in this game historically. It's, it's a meme at this point, the record these two have together. So they finally have a chance to win here. They're favored. I don't know when the last time they were favored in a matchup like this. But Austin, what do you think happens in this game? And what are you looking for? I want to see Caleb Williams bounce back. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they won last week and he had, had that long touchdown run. He looked decent, uh, but their last big challenge was Baylor. And he mm-hmm. obviously struggled in that game, got his hand stepped on left. I, I a whole, a whole array of things happened. I really want to see him come out and kind of control this game mm-hmm. for Oklahoma. That's, that's the big, big thing. Um, Cause I think, I mean, Ohio, or, yeah, Oklahoma state's defense. I mean, they were great this past weekend. Oh yeah, Texas Tech I thought was riding high. Mm-hmm. Uh, new, new coaching staff, new quarterback. I love Donovan Smith. Maybe Donovan. Maybe they might just end Donovan Smith's career at Texas Tech. I mean, maybe. So, <laughs> Baron Morton came in. So I, 
I, I'm just interested to see how Caleb Williams does against that unit. I mean, you're you're hoping for a bounce back for Caleb Williams. I'm going to the other side of here. Um, I want to bounce back for Jalen Warren last week. Uh, not at all bitter that he cost me one of my playoff games. Um, but I'm really like I'm. I mean, he got injured last week. I'm hoping he comes back healthy and kind of has a rebound game. Because I think that he's going to be huge for Oklahoma State to chew clock in this game. I think it's going to be huge for Oklahoma State to keep this game a low-scoring game. They get into a shootout with Oklahoma in this game. It's not going to be pretty for them, I don't think. Uh, Spencer Sanders, we all wanted him to improve year after year. But he's just one of these quarterbacks that we got him as he was freshman year. And he just hasn't really grown since then. And they don't really have the weapons on the outside that we're typically used to seeing as like difference makers. Like we used to see... Tylen Wallace, guys like that. But right now they got Tay Martin, they got Brandon Presley, two good receivers, but no, like these guys aren't guys that I'm ready to change the game. So I guess the question now boils down to is Oklahoma State successful this weekend? Are they able to knock Oklahoma out of playoff contention, out of the Big 12 championship? I believe if Oklahoma State wins this game, it becomes Oklahoma State versus Baylor for the Big 12 rather than Oklahoma versus somebody else. So Austin, what's your call here? I am going to take Oklahoma State. Okay. I think that Baylor gave the blueprints. And while I, it's really weird to say this, that I think Jerry Bohannon is a slightly better quarterback than Spencer Sanders. I, I think they will do the, the, you know, Abram Smith equivalent, Jalen Warren, mm-hmm. grind the clock, uh, you know, maintain possession and keep Oklahoma off the field. And I think they can limit the big plays enough, which is how Oklahoma has really been scoring this year. I mean, they, mm-hmm. I think they struggle to sustain drives. They, if they don't hit you, so, so I, I think Oklahoma state can, can do all of those same things. I think they win this weekend. I mean, I agree with you hundred percent The Oklahoma offense this year has just been so boomer bust. And I think that's why they can't pull away from people in games because they can't control the ball. They can't play keep away. They can't, sustained drives long enough through their run game, through their passing game, or short passing game, really, in order to keep drives going to put the ball into the end zone or through the uprights. So I think you're right 100%. I think Baylor really did show how to limit this Oklahoma team. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take Oklahoma State to win this game for the first time in, I thought I wrote it down. I forget when the last time Oklahoma State won this game, but it's been a while. It has been a while. So hopefully the Cowboys are able to do it here. And man, it's going to be weird if they do it to not have Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship. No Oklahoma, no Texas. I mean, I wonder when the last time that's happened that neither of those two teams are in there. I'd wager it's been at least 25 years. That Honestly, I might look that up here in a second. But regardless, we'll move on to the next one here. We got Florida State at Florida. Florida, a two-point favorite. This is a noon game on ESPN. These, I don't think anybody's... was super shocked at the idea that in this game, Florida State would be playing for bowl eligibility. I think a lot of people are shocked at the idea that Florida is playing for bowl eligibility in this game as well. And obviously, Florida does not have Dan Mullen anymore. He is not coaching in this game. There is no uh, Ogeron deal where he coaches the rest of the season or anything like that. He's gone. They're without a coach. Florida State coming in red hot right now, coming off some big wins against Miami, coming off uh, coming off a win against Boston College. They only need one more game to get themselves to bowl eligibility after missing it last year, I think the year before as well. Um, and so they're riding in hot. I believe they're riding in hot on some recruits right now. So I think they need this win badly to keep up that momentum. So what do you think, Austin? 
this is an interesting game. I don't really know. Like th- this feels like a pick them to me almost. I know, I know, like you said, Florida's favored by two points, or at least mm-hmm. they were when the lines open today. It's two teams that feel like they're going in opposite directions right now. You know, mm-hmm. Florida, obviously, you know, in, in a tailspin there. Florida State, uh, like you said, won what five, four of their last six or whatever. Um, there's not a lot that I'm necessarily interested in this game from a fantasy perspective, though. I don't know. I I, I don't feel great about Travis J or J Travis, whatever the heck his name is. Um, the I, it does Emory start this week with no more Mullen? Do they go to Richardson? We've heard nothing on that, from what I can so, tell. There was a bit of a hiccup earlier this week where Richardson took off the Florida stuff off of his Instagram, I believe. And while it's been put up back up ever since, I do think it is kind of interesting to note that that did happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, if Florida can't run the ball effectively, I really oh, don't. I feel like this is going to be such a low scoring game, but the line's at almost 60 points. So maybe I'm just an idiot. I, I don't know. I mean, both of these defenses definitely struggled at times throughout this year. And Florida's defense, it felt like, just kind of gave up in several games in a row here near the end. Now, they played a little bit better against Mizzou last week. They held Tyler Beatty for, like, almost their entire game, which was a shocker to me. Um, but even still, I'm I'm going to go with Florida State here. I'm not just saying that because I'm a Georgia fan and I don't like Florida, but I really think Florida State just has more reasons to win this game. Florida needs to have a reset after firing Dan Mullen. They need to really focus on trying to get that next guy in here. So I'm going to take the Seminoles to win this one. I, I'll agree with you. I, I think that would probably be my prediction as well. Also, uh, I did look it up. when. Okay, so the year was 1998. The last time a Big 12 championship did not include Texas or um, Oklahoma. What were the two teams in the Big 12 championship? Hmm. I would guess uh, Nebraska. Wrong. Wow. Okay, then I don't know, because Nebraska was the one that I thought was right. Nebraska played in a lot of Big 12 championships, but it was number two, Kansas State, versus number 10, Texas A&M. <laughs> Jeez, so this, all, 23 years since that has last happened. That's... 23 years. That is Well, to be fair, there wasn't a Big 12 championship between 2011 and 2016. Oh, good point. They just took the top, the top team. Yeah, yeah. So there, was, there was not one. But anyway... Um, we'll move on from the Florida, Florida State game here. We'll move on. And we're going over to the West Coast for civil conflict, I think they're calling it now. But let's be real, y'all. It's the Civil War. It's Oregon State, the Beavers versus the Oregon Ducks. Oregon, a seven-point favorite here. The 330 game on ESPN. A lot of people, I think, because Oregon's been so highly ranked recently, because they're not a like. Because they've only got two losses on the year, I think a lot of people don't realize that Oregon has not wrapped up the Pac-12 North yet. And that Oregon State, their main rival, is sitting right there ready to take advantage of that if they do beat Oregon in this game. And also if Washington State beats Washington in the Apple Cup. that They need that because otherwise then Washington becomes the Pac-12 North leader. Uh, but even still, like it's been a while, I think, since there's been a game or a version of this game that has had this many high stakes to it, and that's incredible because, again, Oregon State's usually an afterthought 
for a lot of people. So what are your thoughts on this game, Austin? Yeah, two two teams that I really don't enjoy watching at all this year, <laughs> which is not something I thought I would say about Oregon, like in, in really in my lifetime. But they're just a boring offense. I mean, mm-hmm. you, it's it's Travis Dye, it's Anthony Brown. Brown struggles to throw the ball, so I mean you've got you know Devin Williams catches a couple. Hey, it's not fun to watch. And then Oregon State obviously is basically the Chance Nolan and BJ mm-hmm. Baylor show. I think this is. A lower scoring game. I think okay. the line is right around 63, or at least it was when it came out. And I think I would take the under there. And I think that Oregon still pulls it out. You know, they, they've been disappointing on the back half of the season here uh, and obviously getting blown the heck out last week. But I, I, I'm not ready to put Oregon State in that, you know, kind of maybe it's just that Oregon State's never good enough. But like I, I just don't think they're 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 quite ready. But if I remember correctly, Oregon State beat Oregon last year, if I remember correctly. And um hold on. I think they beat them the year before as well. Okay. I'm looking I'm looking this up. Hold on, rivalry. Uh come on, there we go. Uh no, they did not beat them the year before. But Oregon State did beat Oregon last week so this is definitely a game that I think and I think Oregon State's a better team this year than they were last year so I think this is absolutely a team a game that they can come in here and show out for but I'm kind of with you I think Oregon for some reason it's like they they're the 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 kind of team where they get fired up a little bit too late it's like they get fired up after they're knocked out of playoff contention. But as soon as you threaten the Pac-12 North, as soon as you p- threaten the Pac the Pac-12 championship, oh boy, you're the best version of Oregon's coming out for that. So I'm gonna take Oregon to win this game, especially it being at home. I think they're gonna do. I, I think they'll win here. I wouldn't be surprised if it's less than seven points, though. No, that wouldn't sh- surprise me either. Uh, I think it'll be pretty close. So yeah, that should be a fun one. Again, I, I have a soft spot for the Beavers. I don't know why, but I do. Um, we'll hit up another rivalry game here in the SEC. It's the Egg Bowl, which is the most unimpressive name you could ever give for a matchup between Elaine Kiffin and Mike Leach. And believe it or not, Mississippi State, the one-point favorite in this game, on this, this game is on Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, as always, 7.30 on ESPN. Uh, so, yeah, again, the, the line being in favor of Mississippi State. Uh, what are your thoughts here, Austin? Like, what are you looking for in this game? I want to see, like, I, I'm oddly intrigued by Will Rogers. Okay. And I know, like, you know, fool me once, fool me twice, fool me, like, 12 times on, like, leech quarterbacks, but I'm mildly intrigued by him. I mean, he's looked pretty sharp the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, really the bat, the whole back half of the season um, is spreading the ball around there pretty well. I mean, it was Makai Polk for a while and then it mm-hmm. was Jaden Wally and then Rob Rod Thomas. I mean, they, they've got some interesting weapons there. Um, so I, I'm interested to watch Will Rogers. And then obviously, I mean, Matt Corral's on the other side. Yep. He's banged up at this point. I've, I've kind of stopped taking note of what he's doing because after they ran him 30 times against Tennessee or yep. whatever, I mean, it, 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 the, the season for him was was probably going to be over. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think, ha- you know, with, with Corral not at 100%, I don't think having Mississippi State as a favorite is crazy talk, really. Yeah, it seems like crazy talk to me because, again, you're right. Corral's beat up, but I believe Mingo's coming back for this game. Drummond came back into action last week. So we're finally starting to see this old Miss offense return 
almost fully to strength. Like I said, Corral's beat up, and obviously that's a huge key for their offense right there. But again, they still have three running backs um, that I think they can rely on here. Again, Snoop Connor, Henry Parrish, and Jerry Ely. Three good options there. All three really can catch it out of the backfield as well, so I think Mississippi State's going to have a hard time defending that. Um, Casey Kelly, the tight end for Ole Miss, really starting to come on now that he's back from injury. If this really is, or this is Matt Corral's last hurrah for um, uh, for the Egg Bowl or for Old Miss, which he which he seemed to confirm, I guess, the other day with that. Yeah, he he, he basically said like, "This is going to be my last game. Thank you guys for supporting me." Uh, and why wouldn't he? He's probably going to be one of the confirmed uh, first round QBs this year. Um, but even still, I think. If he's playing all out, he has all his weapons. I really don't see why Ole Miss can't win this game outside the fact that they are playing in Starkville. So that's just a hard place to play in the SEC. But even still, I'm going to take Ole Miss to win this game. I think he goes out in a hurrah. How high scoring do you think this game is? I think both teams hit above 30. Okay. So not like the 77 point line. No, 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 no. You're not getting that. No, 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 no. We're not. We're, I don't think we hit eighty. I don't think both teams hit above forty. But I wouldn't be surprised if the final score is like forty-two, thirty-five, or like forty-five, thirty-three, or something like that. Yeah, that seems fair. I mean, Mississippi State doesn't end up. They're not an explosive offense per se. They, you know, it's, it's usually longer drives. So yeah, I, I'm actually I'm going to take Mississippi State, but I get why. I I, I think this is another close game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think Mississippi State's been a little stronger down the stretch here. I uh, got any uh, what should we call it? Excessive celebrations in the end zone for this one? I have, somebody has to like. I feel like that should just be a staple of this game for the foreseeable future. Like the first <laughs> touchdown scored by whichever team does the Elijah Moore celebration, then the game just moves on. Dude, that's that. I I remember like one of my friends. We got into a fantasy league the year after that. And he drafted Elijah Moore because he was just like, I want a mean player. <laughs> and then Elijah Moore ends up being like the wide receiver one by the end of the year. And he's sitting there like, okay, that worked out well for me. That's it. Hey, it's good strategy. Yep. Uh, you, you heard it here first, kids. Uh, draft memeable players. They'll work out for you all 100% of the time. All right. Well, who's, who's, the, who's the 101 next year by that standard? I'm trying uh, to think of a... By that standard? Uh I don't know. Georgia's got a player coming in, uh, Smoke Bowie. It's a good, oh, yeah, it's a good yeah. name. I don't know. I mean, LSU's got uh, the coldest Crawford. So. Oh, you're right. The cold, <laughs> the coldest to ever do it. You're right. You're right. That's the 101 right next year, especially in IDP leagues. Yeah. We'll hit up another rivalry game here. First time this one has felt like both sides have a chance in friggin' forever, and that's Clemson, South Carolina. Line on this game is Clemson favored by 11.5 points. 7.30 game, and this is disrespectful to, in my opinion. It's on the SEC network. <laughs> this is oh, on the sorry, SEC Clemson. network. Huh. So, so, but yeah, like I said, this feels like this is the first time that really both of these teams kind of have a shot in this game. I mean, obviously Clemson's been the big favorite for years now. But South Carolina with Shane Beamer has been riding a wave of uh, momentum right now in their first year. They're bowl eligible, which I certainly didn't predict them to reach bowl eligibility uh, this year. Uh, I expected them to struggle a whole lot more than they did. Uh, then you got Clemson, who's doing, frankly, worse than pretty much everybody was expecting them to do. I don't think anybody was super surprised by Georgia beating them week one. But then 
them just not having really any consistent offense throughout the rest of the year. I think it was a big shock for a lot of people. Again, DJ Uyunglele was the 101 or 102 for C2C drafts. And in uh, CFF in general, uh, he was a first, second rounder uh, for most people. And just a complete, complete bust on that side of things. Uh, but last week was intriguing to me. Uh, granted, Wake Forest was not a good defense by any stretch of the imagination. But the combination of Will Shipley and Kobe Pace has me thinking that Clemson might have figured something out with that run game that might them make them a bit more consistent on offense. Because we really saw once Will Shipley went down for a couple of those games in the middle of the season, they were struggling. So Austin, what are your thoughts on this game and what, what kind of things are you looking at here? So just something that I don't think is talked about enough like in the context of Clemson just being you know extremely underwhelming this year, I think Georgia broke them week one. See, I joke about that. I like as a Georgia fan, I joke about that, but like part of me doesn't want to like say that because like you know, like I it makes me sound arrogant, but like at, at the same time I do kind of wonder sometimes. I do yes. kind of wonder. I, I think they did because I mean that was a close game. Like Georgia's blowing everybody else out. Like the mm-hmm. fact that that was a close game and, and DJ was kind of DJ's you know first you know crack at like being the guy. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that plays a bigger role than people so I just want to throw that out there first. I know, especially with you being a, a Georgia fan, you would appreciate that. But I, yeah, I mean, I obviously last week was like, if they don't do anything this week, you just have to burn the whole offense down. Mm-hmm. So luckily, luckily we're not going to hit that point there because in Wake Forest, they made Army look good. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's it, it's kind of embarrassing there. Um, it, it is, they'll, they'll only go as far, though, I think offensively as their running back do it to take. Mostly Will Shipley, but, but Pace is certainly a decent player as well there. And I think that's because, I mean, the wide receiver situation is going to work itself out this season. It's eight of the same dude. Yeah. Like, it's just it if is. you lined them all up in a police lineup with, like, their jerseys and helmet on, if without the numbers, you wouldn't be able to pick out any of them. You're 100% right. I, I've been saying that over and over again throughout this entire season. That Like, that's their big problem. And it's not even just that they're all the same size and everything. It's all the same skill set. They're all right. They're right about equal each other in terms of route running ability. All in terms of equal about speed. They don't have people that can really just change the uh, tempo of the offense. You don't have a guy like Amari Rogers who could take off the defense at any point during the game because he just burns a DB or two. Um, and it, it's okay if your wide receivers are all the same. If it's the modern wide receiver, I mean Ohio State's wide receiver, three wide receivers. They're not necessarily, you know, carbon, you know, blueprint or, you know, prints of each other, but you can play all three of those at any one of those three positions. If they yeah. play, they're probably going to all perform, you know, moderately to the same pace that they do you know, where they usually are. I, the Clemson guys aren't, you know, good players. I mean, they're, so. they're, they're, they're good. Like a lot of these guys are like high four star, like Joseph Ngata, Frank Ladson, uh, Bo Collins, EJ Williams. But, like, for some reason, it, I don't know if it's just the wide receiver development there right now, which is crazy to say after they put guys like uh, DeAndre Hopkins into the league, after they put guys like T. Higgins into the league, stuff like that. But, like, it just feels crazy to say that, like, just none of these guys are panning out right now, and something clearly feels wrong there right now. Um, but even so, on the other side of this, of this thing with South Carolina... Do we think South Carolina has enough in the tank to go up against this Clemson defense, which is the one thing it feels like has lived up to expectation this year in terms of Clemson? That Clemson defense 
outside of when they've been injured, has performed at almost an elite level at times. Do we think South Carolina has enough juice in order to win this game and uh, put some points on Clemson's defense? Well, they've got to be able to rush the ball, and I think that they will have a very tough time doing that. I mean, that is kind of Clemson's strength, mm-hmm. giving up fewer than three yards per carry. So, no, I don't think that South Carolina will be able to move the ball very well. I don't think Clemson will either necessarily, but, yeah, I, I – I, Clemson or South Carolina just can't really move the ball through the air at all. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, Josh Van gets a good breakout pass and stuff like that. But again, I, I agree with you. South Carolina currently their bread and butter is that three-headed backfield of uh, Kevin Harris, Zaquandre White, and Marshawn Lloyd. Whenever he finally breaks out, is he going to be the next John Emery? Where everybody just kept waiting for him to take over the backfield over what is admittedly lesser recruited players, and he just never does. Yes, but I, at least he has the injury to fall back on. John Emery has no excuse. So True. I'm, that, that's another play I'm bitter about because he, he was probably my, the first time I've ever drafted a freshman player in a redraft league was John Emery Jr. And I played him week one because I'm like, all righty, he's going he's gonna to he, start. We're going to do well this week. I was wrong. I was horribly wrong, and I never made that mistake ever again. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Clemson to win this game because I think they more than anything this is just a game they can out talent their competition. Uh, even if South Carolina is rolling in with some uh, good momentum right now, I think Clemson knows that they can put a stop to it and they will. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So next one, we'll move on. When I picked the rivalry games we talked about, I tried to pick only games that were under two touchdowns on the spread. But it's hard to talk about rivalry weekend without talking about the Iron Bowl. Alabama going into Auburn, Jordan-Hare Stadium, a 19.5-point favorite, uh, 3.30 game on CBS. I think this is a 3.30 game on CBS every rivalry weekend. Uh, But even still, this game loses a lot of the luster that I think a lot of people were ready to put on it from a couple weeks ago because Auburn was riding hot, really, really hot. They lost to Georgia, but just after that point, they started to put together a good string of performances. Um... And then they get shut down by Texas A&M. Then they let Mississippi State come back on them, 28-3. And then they let South Carolina beat them last week. And then all of a sudden, you're here. Alabama's coming into Jordan-Hare Stadium. What seems like a trap game for Alabama just doesn't look like that Auburn is capable of springing a trap on Bama right now. What do you think, Austin? I mean, that's the beauty of these games i can remember auburn beating them a couple times in the past 10 years or so where they really had no business if you were Mm -hmm. just looking at what happened prior i bo bo nicks being out i think does eliminate really most of the chance that they're gonna have that year Mm -hmm. i mean tj finley i I didn't get to watch that game this past weekend i was actually at a wedding i had the under on tj finley's pass yards and he beat it on like one pass on the last drive which very much upset me but i mean Finley might be one of the worst quarterbacks that Bama plays all year. I mean, he's just not very good. I, and and I don't think they – like, the line isn't good enough to rely on the run game. Like, I know Tank mm-hmm. Bigsby had a decent week this last week against South Carolina, but I just – I struggle to see them moving the ball that effectively against an Alabama defense that isn't as strong as it usually is. Like, you would think mm-hmm. that they, they wouldn't struggle too much, but just too many injuries, uncertainty of quarterback – even, you know, behind uh, – Jarquez Hunter has, has faded here in the, the second half of the season, and we kind of like that two-headed monster there for them. So I, I, I think you've got to pick Bama, but 
these freaking rivalry games, man. Uh, yeah, freaking rivalry games. You're 100 percent right. But again, I, I I think Bama's even too strong for Auburn at this point. Again, mostly because just Auburn's faded so much the past couple of weeks. And you're right that this Alabama defense can't be taken advantage of, but it's going to be through the air. And I don't see T.J. Finley either having the ability or really the receiving weapons in order to take advantage of Bama like that. Because like last week, K.J. Jefferson had Traylon Burks to rely on consistently. He had Warren Thompson to rely on. Um, but who, who does T.J. have? He's got Demetrius Robertson. Doing a lot better at Auburn than he did at Georgia, I'll say that much. But it's still, he's not a game-changing wide receiver. Kobe Hudson? Uh, maybe You know, maybe this is the breakout game for Elijah Canyon. Maybe this it's, is... <laughs> you know, I should have put this in my contract before I came on the show today. We are not allowed to talk about Elijah Canyon. I got burned so freaking bad for that kid <laughs> this year. I have him on like 80% of my rosters. Ugh. Dude, that was that was the strangest thing week one because everybody was convinced he was the next guy at Auburn, and then he doesn't even show up on the depth chart. That was such a shocker on week one, and it just never happened. I don't. I, he hasn't even entered the transfer portal, so I just don't know what's going on there. Did we just miss? I don't know. He was. I mean, the bowl game and then the spring game. You know, I felt you know there were that we had two games to work with instead of just one. I, I don't. I, it's it, that and Jaden Wally have just been the two that just you know. Blew me away I think you. Year. I think you said that Jaden Wally was going to be the wide receiver one this year. I said he'd push for it. Yeah, not so much. Oh no, no, it was uh, Travell Harris. You called for a wide receiver one. I think in your article. Um, I, so I, yeah, I said that I thought it would come down to one of Tolbert, Cropper, or Travell Harris. And Cropper's another weird one because, like, he was on fire the first couple of weeks, and then Hayner just didn't throw. Or I guess maybe they double teamed him or something like that. But like, he just. I had to cut him in most of my leagues because after a while, he just wasn't producing anymore. Again, that's totally off topic. Totally (laughs) off topic. We'll get back to these rivalry games. Uh, So we're going to stick in the SEC for this next one. Uh, We're going Texas A&M at LSU. You know, a lot of people kind of clown the SEC for when they added A&M and they added added Missouri. They kind of clown them around for kind of almost forcing rivalries between the two new pl- the two new teams and some of the established teams. But this A&M LSU game really has organically developed into its own rivalry between these two teams. I mean, you had the crazy crazy seven overtime game from a couple of years ago um where I don't know why the the NCAA would ever want to prevent that from happening again. <clears throat> overtime rules suck now. Um, and then the year after LSU just body bagged A&M on their way to, um, an SEC, uh, SEC championship, national championship. And I forget what happened last year off the top of my head, but I believe that was another great game right there. And so again, we got another good game here. A&M out of, like out of any kind of playoff discussion, uh, with their loss to, um, who did they lose to or I am blanking here for a second. Sorry. But the other side of this, AM out of conversation. They're really just fighting for uh, bragging rights and respect at this point. But LSU, LSU last in the SEC West, the only team in the SEC West not bowl eligible, fighting for bowl eligibility here. Austin, do you see a world where LSU is able to pull an upset here and make it to where every SEC West team is bowl eligible? By the way, AM only a six and a half point favorite in this game. 
They have to stop the run. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be the big key there. And they've been fairly consistent all year. I mean, they've been about you know 70th in the country for most of the year in terms of mm-hmm. giving up uh, yardage on the ground. I mean, the, the, the I guess it's more of a two-headed monster there at AM with with Achain and Spiller. Yes. You, they have to lean on them. I mean, Zach, Zach Calzada had his day in the sun against Bama, but has otherwise, you know, not been mm-hmm. uh, the guy that's going to lead you to a win. I, I, I mean, I know this is like the simplest form of analysis ever, but I just think LSU can't stop the run and I'm likes to run. Well, LSU, there's a lot of uncertainty at LSU. I, I kind of, yeah. But LSU's performed pretty well against the run in recent weeks. I mean, they faced Alabama, held them for to like less than 40 yards rushing, if I remember correctly. Um, last week against Arkansas, they uh, shut down their run game pretty consistently, kept that game low scoring. They lost that game at the end of the night. Uh, but even still, the fact that they were able to keep it low scoring like that, I think, speaks to their ability to slow down Arkansas's run game, which is a pretty good run game. Got Rocket Sanders over there, Dominic Johnson, uh, Traylon Smith, kind of a three-headed monster there. Uh, so I wonder if they do kind of keep that up here. But let's be real, AM's run game is much better than Alabama or Arkansas. Even if they have good run games, AM's probably one of the best run games in the country. Uh, their offense can flow straight through that running game. Two great backs. A-Chain, just an absolute speedster. Once he gets in the open, he's gone. Spiller is that uh, first, uh, first, second down back that's going to run straight into that line of scrimmage. And you you got to have a prayer of stopping him. So I kind of, I'm kind of with you. I'm going to lean towards AM winning this game. Um, and I think they'll win pretty comfortably, especially if LSU still continues to have good performances from their receivers, but nothing spectacular. Cause there's not been like a Keisha Mbute who's truly emerged and become that clear number one guy. Well, I did hear that Chris Hilton is supposed to be healthy this week. Ooh. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not suggesting that they're just going to throw Chris Hilton out there and he's going to change, you know, make the difference in this game. Mm-hmm. But I, they are starting to get healthier there, Sands, Keishon Boutte. So it's, uh, they've got some other guys there. And I, can Max Johnson do anything with them consistently? I don't know. But I'm curious what do you think? Because, again, like talking about from a C2C perspective and everything like that, you got Garrett Nussmeyer there. He uh, took over in the Arkansas game there for a good bit. And do you think there's a legit quarterback battle going on between Max Johnson and him? Or do you think that was like a one-game thing to try to get Max Johnson back in the right headspace? Well, I know that they are saying now that they're going to redshirt Nussmeyer. Oh, okay. And I think he, I don't think he can play another game. Okay. Or maybe he can play one more or something, but it doesn't make sense to play him you know, one more time. And gotcha. Bench him for the rest of the year. So I think that's why they were doing that. I don't think either of them... Is like a is a long term answer. Mm-hmm. Not, neither Nussmeyer nor Johnson. Um, we'll see if they, they they have. So as of right now, Walker Howard is supposed to be coming in there, five star kid. Yes. But there are also rumors that he might be flipping. Ooh, um, I haven't heard those rumors. What? I've heard some whispers, so uh, that'll be interesting. I think he's probably better than any of the guys they have on their that, that team right now. At least in terms of ceiling, probably. Yes. Yes. We yeah, see- I don't, I, I'm not suggesting he goes in there and starts the true freshman game one, but I, yeah. I think, you know, talent-wise, he, he's certainly as good, if not better. Definitely makes sense. So you probably expect maybe like, maybe one or two of these guys to transfer throughout the offseason, you might think? Maybe. But- I mean, Brennan, Brennan's already in there. Mm-hmm. I, we'll, I don't think we'll know until like April or May. Yeah, I, I agree. If, if, if there is a transfer here, it'll be because Walker Howard – overtakes one of them and they're now number three on the depth chart that's when somebody's going to transfer i would agree 
Yeah, uh, that but feels in, right. In terms of who wins this game, who are you going with, A&M or LSU? I'm going to stick with A&M. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. So we've been sitting around the SEC for a little while, but we're going to go out west now for this one. Oops, I hit the wrong button. That's all good. All right, let me fix up this real quick. All right, there we go. Going out west. We're going to Pac-12. It's the Apple Cup. Washington Ooh. State Wazoo versus Washington. This is a Friday game, 8 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Washington State has not won this game since 2012. And I believe it was several, several years before that that they won this game. This has been a very, very lopsided rivalry in recent years. But Washington State favored by one and a half points in this game. And this game does have implications on the Pac-12 North race. Like I mentioned before with uh, Oregon State and Oregon, if Wazoo wins this game, and Oregon State beats Oregon. Oregon State becomes the number one team in the Pac-12 North, and Beavers go to the Pac-12 Championship. So, what are some things you're looking for in this game, Austin? And I don't know what 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 are you looking for? Well, I, I mean, Washington State has been sneaky decent, mm-hmm. not sneaky good, maybe, but sneaky <laughs> decent over the past month. October 23rd, really, this run started. They lost to BYU by two, mm-hmm. but then very tough beat Arizona State by a couple of scores the week after. Uh, lost to Oregon the week after that, but then blew out Arizona last week. I mean, they, they've, they've been solid. To be fair, there. a lot of teams blew, blow out Arizona. Yes, yes, pretty much everybody. They got their one win, though, this year. So They I, did. I, I am happy for them, uh, honestly, I will say. I think this, ha- this feels really, really weird to say. It, it feels like I'm back in 2019 as I'm saying this. I think this game comes down to Max Borgie and possibly Dion McIntosh. Because, I mean, you can't pass against this Washington team. No. It's just no fly zone. I don't even know why you would necessarily try it. I I know that's kind of the staple of what we expect from Washington state traditionally here, but I I think this game really comes down to can Borgie continue to be effective running the ball. He had a big week last week, 140 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. Um, That was the easiest over prop I've ever done in my entire life. I had 13 fantasy points. It was the over that I played on him. Yes, sir. That hit. That hit within the first really, quarter. Really, really quick. Yes. I was very, very happy about that. So, I, and I think he can do something similar again this week. You know, mm-hmm. maybe not average nine yards carry. And, oh, no, 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 no. But, but I, I think he can still be efficient and effective. And I think that, that he, I think Washington State can and will win this game. I mean, I'm with you 100%. And then I, again, I think it's just the offensive consistency that'll win Washington State this game. Washington's got nothing on offense right now. Their running back, Sean McGrew, has been out for several weeks now. They can't figure out the quarterback position, even though they have Sam Hewer just sitting there waiting in the wings. I think they're planning on redshirting him so that uh, so he can't really play the rest of this year. Uh, so they're between Dylan Morris and uh, got, there's another quarterback. Who's the other quarterback? O'Brien is the other one, right? Transferring from Colorado State. Yes. Um, so I think they're, they're trying to decide between those two right now because they can't get anything going. Every receiver, it feels like, has been injured at one point in this season. I think they lost several for the season early on in the season. So they can't get any kind of passing game going. Cade Otten's kind of been a disappointment for me in terms of production this year. Now, he still has some talent. I'm sure the NFL is going to love him once he declares. Um, but even so, I just can't see Washington putting up nearly as many points as Washington State. So I'm going to take the Cougars, Yahoo Cougar football, to win. Yeah, I mean... Please just play Heward. Please just play Heward. There's nothing. He's not going to do any worse. It's one of these things where, like, again, I feel bad for teams. Like, I I never want to be a head coach or anything like that, obviously. But it's like one of these things where, like, 
if you're a team at the end of the year and you're already starting to kind of look towards next year and you have a starting quarterback who's not going to the NFL, like let's be real, Dylan Morris is not ready to declare to go to the NFL. He is not going to be a guy that probably ever will declare for the NFL. Why not just go ahead and put your future guy in? It's kind of like NFL teams near the end of the year when they know they're not going to re-sign their quarterback. Why not just go ahead and throw your rookie out there, get him some reps? I agree. I mean, so I maybe the offense is too much of a mess. They don't want to get him killed. I don't know. Fair enough, but it's not really their O-line that's really been a problem for them this year as far as I could tell. Again, I haven't watched a ton of Husky football, so I'll admit that completely. So if you're a Husky fan out there you uh, and you think I'm wrong, let me know. Um so we'll hit up one last rivalry game here. Then we'll hit some of these over-under games um, for you guys. We got Wisconsin on the road at Minnesota. Wisconsin, a six-and-a-half-point favorite game. This will be the 4 p.m. game on Fox. I believe it's on Fox. I have to double-check that. But, um, again, very, very interesting game here. Uh, plenty of good Minnesota teams have uh, come into this game ready to win the Big 12 champion, or, or Big 12 West and Wisconsin's have always been right there to foil them. And Wisconsin, now their turn, coming in, ready to clinch that that Big Ten West here. Uh, I don't know all the scenarios that w- in which they might not lo- win the Big Ten West. I forget what the actual standings are right now. But regardless, that division has not been decided yet as far as I know. And these are two tough physical teams that are going to be going right at each other. And really the guy that is the big guy for me here is Braylon Allen, uh, running back for Wisconsin. If you have not been watching Wisconsin football, uh, we're looking at possibly the next Jonathan Taylor here. Uh, Dude is 17 years old and has come has taken this running back room at Wisconsin by storm. Jalen Berger transferred out earlier this season. Other things besides the depth chart that led to that. Ches Malusi gets injured. Braylon Allen gets his shot. He's absolutely taken over this backfield. Uh, They were splitting carries. Uh, earlier in the season, he is now the bell cow ba- bell cow back. Uh, yet to see what happens when Malusi comes back, but even so, I think that's a huge story here at the end of the season. That Wisconsin finally seems to have found their next um, true bell cow back for them to use. And if you've played CFF for any period of time, you know that once Wisconsin has their bell cow back, that is a fantasy gold mine going forward. And I have to imagine Austin for guys like you, C to C got a freshman guy coming in here and taking over the Wisconsin running back room. That has to be exciting for you. He is one of the least obtainable players in campus. I'm sure he's the same way. And, you know, a CFF dynasty type league. Mm -hmm. He's, he, he just, the mystique of being a 17 year old kid starting at a a program that, you know, produces these top end running backs. Like it's nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, It has just, yes, I, I, I'm not even attempting it. This offseason. <laughs> um, are you prepared for this game to be like five to three? I'm not Both because I am playing Braylon Allen this week because Braylon Allen to me has almost become matchup proof. I benched him last week in one of my leagues because I was slightly afraid of him going up against Nebraska's somewhat decent running defense. I was wrong. He scored 40 points. I mean, you can't, you can't bench, but I mean, it's like, they're both top 20 rush offenses and they're both, I mean, Wisconsin's number one rush defense and Minnesota's 12th overall, I believe in the country. Mm. So, I mean, this game is going to, I, I'm, I'm taking the under, oh, yeah. I do think, I, like, I, I, I do think that presents more problems for Minnesota because I think Tanner Morgan is just a disaster. Like you're just kind of hoping that that 
that grenade doesn't go off in your hand as he's out there, where I, I don't necessarily feel that about Murray. Remember when people were good. saying that he could be a first-round quarterback? Dude, I got in so many fights on Twitter that offseason. So, <laughs> so many. People were like, why do, why do you have him as a late day three guy? I was like, he's not good. Have you watched him? It's, it's, it's Johnson and Bateman doing everything here. I mean, this guy. So, I mean, he's fallen off hard in the past mm-hmm. couple years. I think about Graham Burtz, like, again, I'll ask you about him um, in terms of um, C2C, because obviously people got excited with him with his first start, absolutely lit up Illinois' defense in his first start. Just tough the rest of the way. Really, until lately, he seems to, with the help of Braylon Allen, being uh, kind of a foil to where people don't have to focus on the passing game nearly as much, he seems to be doing a little bit better now that the attention is being taken away from him. What do you think about Graham Mertz? Do you think there's a chance for him to rebound in the upcoming years or no? My big problem with Graham Mertz is that, I mean, he's he's got two qualities that I think kind of define him as a player. He plays very safe. Mm-hmm. And he still can, and he still somehow makes dumb decisions within that context. And those two things together do not make a very good quarterback. Yes, I would um, say so. At least, you know, at least if you're, you know, forcing the ball downfield, you know, tight windows, you know, consistently, you know, just kind of pushing a defense. I think it's okay to to make some bad decisions, but you can't do it when you're also generally playing very, very safely. Um, yeah. So that, that, I mean, I, I think he's, he's a cautionary tale for any quarterback that has any sort of recruiting pedigree to go to Wisconsin. I mean, that's just what, if we take any lesson away from Graham Mertz, that, that is the lesson. Children, if you're watching this show, if you're listening to the show, you want to play quarterback someday and your name is not Russ Wilson, who's don't go already to you know, developed and graduated and all that, don't go to Wisconsin. Don't worry about Wisconsin. Um, we'll flip on to the other side of things with Minnesota. I think we're both kind of leaning that Wisconsin wins this game because, again, we just trust their offense a little bit more, even if just with Braylon Allen. The Braylon Allen effect, I think, is enough to think that Wisconsin wins this game. Am I, am I off base there? No, I agree. And just, I mean, I, I, if I have Kai Thomas, I'm not starting this week. Oh, I'm not. I mean, we, he had a nice week last week. I'll ask you, though, uh, regarding that Minnesota running back room. So, Muhammad Ibrahim obviously goes down. He was a top three guy in top three or four guy in CFF this year and goes down first week of the game. You got Trey Sean Potts becomes that next bell cow back for them. And he goes down. He's out. He's got an illness. Um, so now you got Kai Thomas, who's didn't quite take over immediately, but he's kind of built himself into that semi bell cow role. I mean, Marcus Irving is there as well. He's getting plenty of carries as well. I'll ask you from a perspective going forward, who do you think is the most valuable back out of probably assuming Ibrahim doesn't come back? Uh, Cause I think he was a senior this year. So assuming he doesn't come back, who's more valuable, Treshawn Potts or uh, Kai Thomas? So I am not a Minnesota fan. I'm not a Minnesota insider and I am not a doctor. I have heard some not great rumors about Treshawn Potts long time. Okay. I, I'm hearing this is a possible Journey Brown oh. type situation again. Yes. So I, if I have any trace on pots and people don't know about that, I'm probably trying to shop them around. And I'm not saying that's, you know, a definitive thing. That is just, I've heard a couple people tell me that. Okay. Uh, so that I, I'm very hesitant to acquire trace on pots. So I think it's got to be Kai Thomas. Fair enough. Fair enough. I was I was gonna ask like if if, if Treshawn Potts was coming back like who would be more valuable the guy that they went to immediately after Abraham or the guy who finishes out the season as the uh, 
as the RB1. I guess we'll just do that in more of like a general term. Like if you have two running backs, one was the next guy up, got injured as well. And then you have a third guy come in. He is the uh, bell cow back for office, even the number three guy, um, which is more valuable. That guy is number three, but it was ended the season as the bell cow or the number two guy who is the next man up. It's a good question because I think it applies to both of these offenses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> with Malusi going, I mean, you had Berger and Malusi get out of the way for for Allen. There, Berger's gone. Um, I, if if I found out tomorrow that Trayson Potts was going to be healthy, he's going to be fine. He's going to come back next season. Everything's going to be great. Mm-hmm. I think I would lean Potts still because it's not like Thomas has outproduced him. I mean, I think actually he's probably performed slightly worse than Potts has there. Okay, fair um, enough. So I, I think I think I would I would prefer Potts in that scenario. Yeah, I, 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 like I said, I think it was a good question to ask because, again, we're getting into that portion of the season where people are starting to ask, like, who's the next guy up? It's not quite as cut and dry as we thought of in the past couple of years. Again, Transfer Portal is going to throw a wrench in so many of these depth charts. Uh, guys are going to be leaving that you didn't ex- expect to leave. You'll be wondering, like, why is he leaving? He was the next guy up. All that good jazz. Um, but it's the kind of stuff you got to start thinking about. What, so, what do you think that, that does for Irving? Because they really re- usually ride one guy. So Irving, it always seems like because like every time that Irv, er, one of these guys has gone down from Minnesota, immediately people are jumping in and saying Irving's the guy next. Irving's the guy next. But Minnesota just has a role for him. He is that third down change of pace back. He's going to be that receiving back as long as he's comfortable in that role. I don't see him leaving Minnesota, Minnesota, and I don't really see him ever taking over as that number one back from Minnesota because I don't think I think Minnesota knows. He's not the kind of guy that you can ride on for 30, uh, 35 carries in a game. So I think his his role is set in stone in Minnesota's offense, as far as I can tell going forward. I'll so buy some Marquise Irving. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he, he, he is a, you know we're going to get at him every week. So those are all of our rivalry games we're going to talk about. Again, just some general uh, college football chat, talk about some guys we're uh, expecting performances this week. But we can now move on to some of our over-under games. But before we go, I do want to shout out some other rivalry games. Not going to go in-depth on this. I just want to shout them out real quick. Uh, Kentucky-Louisville, that's a three-point game. Um, North Carolina-NC State, North Carolina. uh, Disappointing year. Maybe they can bounce back with a win over their rivals. And then, of course, the beautiful, beautiful uh, Baylor-Texas game, or Texas Tech game, the butt game. Uh, BU versus TT. Gotta love it. Um, do, do they always put them on screen that way too? Or do they switch it up? Uh, I think they might have switched it in recent years because everybody kept calling them out for it. But honestly, I don't know why they wouldn't keep it. It's harmless. It's, yeah, yeah, it's harmless. It yeah. It's not it's not we're talking about Germany versus Nigeria over here, all right? That that flashed in my head as soon as you said that. <laughs> but even even still. Um I I'll throw one more thing out here. Uh Big Twelve. Put your rivalry games on rivalry weekend. I'm so sick of death to, like, again, it worked out this year because you got Oklahoma, Oklahoma State on rivalry weekend. But nothing was more disappointing to me than, like, getting, like, I don't know, Kansas State versus Baylor on rivalry weekend. I'm like, just put Kansas, Kansas State here. Just put Texas, um, Texas, Texas Tech here. Put um, Baylor, TCU here. Put Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State on rivalry weekend full time. There's no reason not to do it. Well, Florida doesn't play their big, or Georgia doesn't play their biggest rival on rivalry week. Oh, okay. I'm talking about in-state rivalries. 
at least let it, make it the same rival every single week or every single year. That's all I'm. Yes, asking. yes. Some continuity at least would be nice. Continuity and not just some random matchup. Because let's be honest, nobody really cares about the Kansas versus Texas Tech game. All right. I don't know if anyone really cares about Kansas, Kansas State either, but <laughs> at least they're in state together. Exactly. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Let's hit up some of these over high over under games. Uh, again, we're really going to break down more players in this one. Like, guys, we're looking forward to perform well in these games. So starting off, we got Wake Forest at Boston College. 12 p.m. game on ESPN2. Over under right at our margin of 65 points. Austin, who's a couple guys you're looking for in this game? So I just want to add, like, do you tr- like, how much do you trust Zay Flowers in this matchup? Who has been really underwhelming. I thought he would take off with Jerkovic coming back here. And he really, the volume hasn't been super high. I mean, he's been efficient. So... Zay Flowers was one of my favorite guys coming in because he and Jerkovic really did have a connection. It looked like coming into the season. I'm I'm trying to look him up real quick to see like what his performance. Because I thought he had a pretty he, decent. He had match. three. He had three ninety two and one, I believe, because I played his line of four catches and was not thrilled with that. And I think the week before that, he only had two catches, but both of them went for touchdowns. If I yeah. Okay. Okay. So he's he's performed fan well decently fantasy wise. It's just he's not getting a ton of volume. Yeah. Um. Again, he's got a long pass of 40 yards in the last four games that he has played. So he's going to, it looks like, hit a big play pretty much every single game. The only game that's been a really true disappointment uh, had to have been that stretch where he played Clemson, NC State, and Louisville. Uh, Didn't hit over seven points fantasy-wise in any of those games. Not in PPR I'm talking about here. Uh, With PPR, he goes a little bit higher than that. But Wake Forest's defense is awful. Uh, we've seen them perform. I have no doubt in my mind that Zay Flowers is going to get at least a touchdown in this game, especially if this game does become a shootout. Phil Jerkovich is going to be looking for him down the field. I, I trust Zay Flowers pretty well in this game, and I trust Phil Jerkovich in this game as well. Uh, he didn't perform extremely well against FSU last week, but I think, again, poor defense from Wake Forest will be enough for there. Who are some of the guys you're looking at for Wake Forest? Everybody that wears a Wake Forest uniform, I'm probably pretty excited about. I mean, I think it's it's Hart, it's the triangle, Hartman, A.T. Perry, and uh, Ja'Cory Roberson, I think are the three guys. I mean, uh, Moran slides in there sometimes, but hmm. I think you Mor- just start all three of those guys every single week, no matter what. I would say Mor- Moran's a, uh, if you're in a deep league, he's the deep league kind of play. Um, I, I forget, is Christian Beal Smith expected to come back this week? Or is he still expected to be Justice Ellison? I thought he was close this past week, mm-hmm. but I haven't, I have not heard an update on that. I'll be honest. The Wake Forest running back situation is not one that necessarily I monitor throughout the week too much, but I did hear Fair before enough. the game last week that he was close. Although if somebody ever transfers from Wake Forest, we now know to follow them very closely. Looking at you, Mr. Yeah, Kenneth yeah. Walker. Yeah. Put him on the radar. Um, so yeah, those are a couple of guys in that game. Um, I guess I'll ask you, Austin, do you want, or, over under on this game. It is that set at, set at 65. Is that a number that you trust? The number can never be too high for Wake Forest. Okay, um, fair enough. I think that's that's a line that I wouldn't play. Like, okay. If I'm actually putting money I've on heard, it, I would I've, probably take the under, but I'm not an I'm not an expert on gambling whatsoever. That's why I don't really I, I don't have like separate sections for that. I just kind of ask it every once in a while. Um, but I have heard that 64 is a huge number in, when it comes to over unders in terms of whether to play. If it's anywhere close to 64, usually people kind of stay away from that. Is that something that you kind of hear about? I actually did not know that. I do not make my own betting advice. I have a Fair few enough. people that I trust, and we've got a couple guys at, at Campus Canton and then you know a few other guys as well. Uh, 
uh, Mr. Siepi winning edge. Hmm. Uh, one of my guys there. Um, so I, I, I cannot answer that. Unfortunately. Oh, fair enough. Uh, so we'll move on to a second game. We actually only have four of these games crazy enough in a rivalry weekend. We only got four games that hit that over under of 65 here. Uh, so we'll talk about those. We got a Maction game. Uh, we got Miami of Ohio at Kent State. Maction, as everybody knows, is a CFF player's best friend, uh, especially once they start playing each other. There are no limitations to the amount of points that any team can score in a matching game. You can go for 30, 40 points in every single game, or you can be Akron for some reason and score zero points against one of the worst defenses in the, in the league last week. I'm uh, not sure what happened there, Akron. I know you're bad, but good God. Uh, anyway, uh, I'll start with some Kent State players that uh, obviously I'll be looking for in this game. And like Dustin Crum, as always, Dude is electric, got the legs, got the got the receivers, got the passing game. He's a must-start if you're playing him this weekend. Uh, in terms of his receivers, Dante Cephas really became that number one wide receiver for him. Ain't no reason not to trust him in this game. Uh, Nakeem Johnson is a guy that's kind of come along as the season's kind of come on. He's somebody you might want to look at in a deeper sense. But my favorite guy on this Kent State offense is their running back, Marquez Cooper. Took over as a freshman for Kent State, and whenever you have an offense that scores this many points, you're going to want to have the running back on it because he's going to get those goal line carries. Now, he might get a few snubbed from uh, Dustin Crumb and such, but even so, they get down in there close. Marcus Cooper's become that guy. He's going to get you a touchdown or two in every game that you play him in. Yeah, I mean, I, I have been rolling with Crumb in a couple of weeks um, uh, this, uh, the, the past few weeks and been very happy with that. I mean, the guy that I have, I'm in one championship this week. I, I was upset in two last week, and I'm very, very sad about it. Uh, Jack Sorensen. Yes, sir. I, like, I just, I'm throwing him out there, and I, like, literally just assume that I'm going to wake up on, what, Thursday morning or whatever, and he's going to have, like, 35 points. Kent State has, like, I think the 129th ranked passing defense in the country. So Sorensen and Matt Hippenhammer, I think we can both expect to have good days here. I, I was going to say Hippenhammer. I, I don't know if I would play him in like anything that I start 10 or fewer players in. I don't know what do you think. I, I think more than that, maybe I'm thinking I fire him up. I think this is a matchup that if you're, if you're struggling with matchups with some of your other more safe bet guys that you've been relying on, I think Hippenhammer is somebody you can find on a ton of leagues right now. Plug him in. This Kent State offense has given up tons of big plays every single week. So I think he's good for at least one or two big plays in that sense. Again, obviously Sorensen's the guy if you can get him. But Hip and Hammer, I think, will be a pretty good play for you this upcoming week. Yeah. So uh, what do you think? That, I mean, we're talking about Sorensen. We're talking about Hip and Hammer here. But uh, I believe Brett Gabber is the quarterback for Miami of Ohio. Is he somebody that you would might consider if you're – quarterbacks are in bad matchups this week it had to be really bad okay <laughs> to be honest okay. i got have to have you know an adrian martinez who's out and you know, one or two other guys but it's enough favorable matchups um yeah fair enough uh, yeah <laughs> maybe maybe like, like yeah I'd have, to, I'd have to be a little bit desperate i'm just double checking one thing here before we move on here yeah i, I was like I, I had a thought in my head. I'm like, is there a running back here that I like? I thought about? And I'm like, right, Miami, Ohio is the absolute hellscape for running backs right now. There is nobody they have right now that is taking over as that main running back. You know, I will say, actually, just to Gabbard's credit, I mean, last week he really struggled against Bowling Green. But the two games before that, I had, I 
believe uh, like f- almost 500 yards in one of them and about 350 in the other. And I think he had five touchdowns and four touchdowns. So, I mean, I, you could do a lot worse if you're in a desperate situation. I think that that's, that's what I'll classify him as this week. He is a desperate situation play. Fair enough. Then, then the one league I need a desperate quarterback in is a power five league. So I can't grab him there. That, I, that's unfortunate because those Mac guys, I mean, just, I know so they're, they're they're so, so good to just pick up and plug them in and play if you're having a rough week. Anyway, we got a third game here going through the ACC. Miami at Duke, twelve thirty game on ESPN three or ESPN plus if you uh, have that and said you can catch it there. Uh, Over under on this game sixty eight points. Austin, I'll let you pick a team first this time and tell me some of the players you're looking at for it. Yeah, sixty eight feels a little high to me. Um, I'll take the easy team. I'll take Duke because the only person I'm interested in on that team is Mateo Durant. Fair enough. Um, I mean, I did actually, I mean, we, we talked actually a lot on, uh, on the C2C pod last week about sitting him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has really struggled the past two games, but I think that he can get it going uh, this week against Miami. Who's not a, you know, a great rush defense. Um, I mean, it, it, have they officially switched quarterbacks? Is Riley Leonard the guy now, or did they just kind of switch to him late last week because of, you know, the circumstances. I think yeah. it's more of a circumstantial thing. I have not seen anything that's been definitive about that. Regardless, I don't think I'm interested in either of them. And then maybe Bobo, you know, depending on. Bobo, I think, is a decent play because of just the game script. Like, they're going to, they're probably going to be behind in this game. They're probably going to want to pass the ball. They're really off of that ride or die on Durant thing that they had going on early on in the season. So I think. He might be an interesting one. Um, but even so, Miami, I think, is where the value's at in this game. Tyler Van Dyke. I know you guys are starting to get real excited about him over there on C2C. I saw somebody had him labeled as the number three quarterback for 2023 draft, I think it was. Felix is a big fan, and I know we are actually going to be talking about him uh, if we record the C2C pod right after we're done here. So, uh, but yeah, he... More, yeah. He came in after Jerry King got injured for the rest of the year and instantly upgraded this passing game for Miami, um, which is a shame because I like Jerry King a lot, but just too many injuries have really hobbled him. And Tyler Van Dyke came in, fresh pair of legs, and has really kind of unlocked this passing game for them pretty well. I mean, Charleston Rambo, one of my favorite guys coming into the season, a lot of people were kind of writing him off saying, oh, uh, he couldn't make it at Oklahoma, he's not going to make it at Miami. Uh, too many things were telling me that he was going to perform well because he was performing well, with all of the quarterbacks behind the scenes, all of them. And, well, Tyler Van Dyke really came in, has unlocked his potential. He's had, um, I think I wrote about him two weeks ago in uh, John Lobb's uh, waiver wire column. And I think during that time, it was like five out of the last six games he had over uh, 100 yards um, in those games. So he's become an absolute fantasy, ass- uh, fantasy asset this year. And then Jalen Knighton. Uh, now that they all it took was every running back in their room to get freaking injured, but Jalen Knighton came back from suspension, and they just hand the ball off to him. They throw the ball to him through the air, and he's getting plenty of touches every single game. So he's absolutely worth a play here. Yeah, I, I they've moved into like must start territory for me with, mm-hmm. with how weak you know that those ACC defenses are. Knighton and, and Van Dyke are, are quite the duo. And Duke has a hundred, yeah, hundred seventeenth rushing defense. He's gonna, they're gonna. I think they're hundred and twenty plus against the pass. Duke's defense is awful. Expect them to expect these Miami players to feast. Molly Cunningham, I mean, put up an RB one slash QB one performance last week. Exactly. So, I mean, 
let's let's get oh, we more were, of it this week. Like John John Lobs, we're, we've been talking about uh like the um, awards that he gives out at the end of the year, and like he like went up to us, he's like, hey, after Malik Cunningham's performance, like is he gonna win the QB award? And all of us were like, no, but also like he made his case. He made it won his me, case. He won me a matchup last week by himself, so I, I will love him forever. Dude, I I played against him in one matchup, uh, and I lost that matchup by point two eight points. Oof. You almost overcame it. Almost overcame it. It was it was very rough. Good thing it wasn't a playoff game. This is the one league where we it's, it's only four of us in the league. It's a home league, uh, so we it's just the top two teams play for the championship at the end of the year. Um, and yeah, he he beat me by point two eight points. It was not not a fun time. Uh, but we got one more over under game here to talk about with you guys, and we got the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers at the Marshall Thundering Herd. It's on CBS Sports Network. I did not write down a time. That's bad on me, bad Jared. Uh, but anyway, the over-under on this game, 70 freaking five. But honestly, is there anything else to expect from a game that has the Western Kentucky offense in it? Austin, what do you think? Yeah, um, I, I am actually really interested to see how, if Marshall, like I, I don't think, um, uh, what's his name? The quarterback for Marshall, whose name is just totally gone now. Grant Wells. Yes. I don't know. Like he is so inconsistent. If he has himself a, you know, if he if he's there mentally that day, mm-hmm. I, I I see a big day for him because Western Kentucky just can't slow down the pass. No, not at all. Uh, but I mean, it's it's Rasheen Ali there is the guy we care about, um, and I would expect him to have hopefully another, you know, 40 port performance. Like he's been putting up pretty much week in, week out all season long. Mm-hmm. Most pleasant surprise of this, of the college football season for me, as far as fantasy goes. And he's a freshman too, right? I think he might technically be a second year guy, but yes, I, I believe he is listed as a freshman. Is he somebody that in CSC leagues, you guys are kind of looking at for a possible uh, early, like one of these early breakouts that you think uh, indicates that he'll be a high draft pick? One of my co-hosts uh, on Debbie Debate, Matt Bruning, has been kind of trending that way. It, as with all these G5 guys, especially not ones who are at, you know, Boise State or, uh, you know, just in, insert typically, Cincy, uh, typically a, a, a bigger team, I probably need to see another year of it. Just okay. in the nature of being at Marshall. But uh, he's certainly off to a great start. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and then Corey Gamage is their wide receiver one uh, he's got 62 receptions, 784 yards in the year. But the only the big thing is that he only got he only has two touchdowns through the air. Rasheen Ali's really been vulturing almost all of those. Is he somebody you might want to consider here, especially if this game becomes a shootout? Probably. I mean, someone has to catch passes, and yeah, I mean, like I mean, Western Kentucky it wouldn't shock me if Wells throws for you know 300, 350 plus yards this week. So somebody's got to be on the end of it. I, I certainly don't think he would be a, a terrible play this week either. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so those are our four over-under games for this week. Again, only got four of them, which is kind of crazy considering it's rivalry weekend. Uh, I imagine there's going to be more games than that that go over 65. Uh, But we'll kind of wrap up here. Also, is there anything else you really kind of wanted to talk about before we head out of here? No, just thanks so much for having me on. Uh, uh, Good luck to everybody this week in their championship games. I know these are are the weeks that, you know, I don't want a disappointing Thanksgiving for you. I mean, again, Austin, you're thanking me for coming on here, but thank you for coming on. I just kind of last minute I asked you to come on here. You were very flexible. Um, I've had Colin, your co-host, on here before. Uh, he did one of the mock drafts with us. 
during the summer. That was an awesome time. Uh, I wanted to make sure I got you on here at one point because you invited me and Xavier onto your guys' show at one point, so we wanted to return the favor. You guys have been awesome for us. You've been very supportive of us. And again, I, I told John Lobb last night, it really helped that when we kind of started posting content, there was some of you guys in the space that immediately started retweeting our stuff, started just letting people know like, hey, like these guys' stuff is good. And you and Colin were among the first that really kind of reached out a hand and allowed us to come onto your shows and kind of talk shop with you guys. So again, I want to thank you. And Colin, if you're listening, this goes for you as well. You guys have been awesome for us. We're very excited to see what you guys do in the future. Um, just remind the folks at home real quick, Austin, like where can they find you? Uh, what, where can they find the Campus Canton stuff and all the stuff you guys are working on right now? Sure. So you can find me individually on Twitter. I am at Debbie Dietz. Um, and then just everything I do is at campuscan.com. And we okay. have all sorts of stuff over there. I write articles. I do a couple podcasts a week. We're starting to bulk up our YouTube videos with the, the incoming freshman stuff. So everything I do, though, is over there. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that, that's, uh, that's pretty much all I got. I will say Colin had a much tougher job when he came on this show. But a CFF mock draft, I gave him a big pat on the back, major kudos Dude. for coming on and doing that. Because that's not our, you know, necessarily our wheelhouse. So I thought it was fun. Again, it, it, again, I like bringing guys on who, like, have different perspectives. I think the next one, uh, or no, I didn't record that one, but we did have Matt, uh, you mentioned Matt Bruning earlier. Um, he came on for, one, or he uh, uh, came, or he signed up for one of our mock drafts. So he did one as well. So I got to get you on one next year. Uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I will certainly hop in at least one. I'm looking forward to it. again. I, I, now that I have a bit more of a plan, I expect to do a, a lot more of those next year. So that that should be pretty fun. But even still, we're heading into the end of the season, y'all. It's championship week. A lot of you guys have worked really hard to get to this point. Good luck to each and every one of you guys. And if you're listening, you guys know the spiel I'm about to go into. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit that like and subscribe button. You guys know exactly what to do. Leave a comment down below. It could be from anything, whether you are asking me for advice on your championship. I have so many of you guys. People, like some, some of you guys have not asked me a single question all year long. All of a sudden, my phone was blowing up with requests for uh, lineup advice this week. And guys, ask those people. I have answered every single one of them. I try to give you as thorough of an answer as I can. And I encourage you to ask so many different guys in the space for advice. It's always good to get as many opinions as you can. Uh, but even so, in addition to that, um, make sure that if you're listening on podcasts, you are following us there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star reviews. Austin, you are one of the five-star reviews that uh, we have, and it was a very, very nice five-star review. And if you want me to read your five-star review, well, you have to leave one. And then, as always, on Twitter, best way to reach me, uh, I am at CFF underscore Jared. You can always reach my co-host at CFF underscore Xavier, Xavier Hood. Uh, he should be pretty responsive to you there as well. Thank you guys so much for listening. It is a crazy week, and I can't wait to see some of the stuff that we are going to be able to do with you guys once once bowl season, once the off season kind of gets here. It's going to be some crazy stuff. Again, you guys have worked hard. Enjoy your championship weekends. Have a wonderful day.